Hello Mzanzi and welcome to episode 186 of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Donumdu. Young, ambitious and versatile is how I describe Wafik Yesop, an agronomist and technical support and business developer at Afrinet, a business providing agricultural products and real-time food value chain solutions. I got to pick his innovative brain in this episode and also found out what he would do if he sat in the hot seat as Agricultural Minister in Mzanzi. Wafik, it's such a pleasure to have you here on Farmers Inside Track. You are the technical support and business developer at Afrinet. That sounds really important. What do you actually do? So with agriculture, you can't entirely separate the sales part of the business development from the technical. So I'm primarily a scientist, but what we do is we go out to farmers who have issues. It doesn't matter what your issue is, we'll come out to the farm, we'll have a look at it. We'll do soil analysis, water analysis soil health analysis, if that's possible. We outsource a lot of these analytics. We have our own laboratory as well. We get the data in, then analyze the data to see what's wrong. But before we analyze the data, I look at the farm, try to figure out what is the problems you're facing. Because if you have a problem, say, with a bit of pythium in your root zone, there's nothing that our products can actually do to help. You're just not doing proper management practices, because that usually happens when you over-irrigate, or that's mostly the cause of it. What we do is we go out, we offer a free consultation, We've tried solving the solutions using our program and just basic integrated management practices. And then we find a solution and then the sales guys come in and they would do the selling. I don't do the selling, I just do the development to reach such a point to build trust. So it's all about building trust for the farmer. And if you think about farmers is that lots of guys are coming to them trying to sell them stuff. So you've got to understand when you come in, you're entering, a, I wouldn't say a very negative. But when you see an advert, what do you do? I skip adverts. It's annoying just to many. But when you come and you actually add value up front and say, I don't want anything, I'm just going to add the value to help, then they're way more willing to listen and cooperate. And it's essentially just building trust for the farmer using science. Taking the science off of their back and giving them the analytics and say, here it is, slideshow, this is what we did, this is what we found, there you go. What got you into the sector? Where did it all start for you? Did you always like want to be part of the agricultural space? It's such an interesting space to work in and I don't think many people actually know about the opportunities within it. But what drew you to agriculture? Personally, I'm very competitive. So most of the stuff I do outside of work and even in work, I just like being told I can't do it and I go ahead and do it. My father comes from a retail background. My mom worked in administration, bit of sales here and there. It's a standard office work in, in corporates in Africa, back when it was much bigger in the 80s and 90s and stuff. And then I grew up until age seven on a place outside of the farms in a place called Frotenburg, which is outside Stellenbosch. I would interact a lot with the farm workers and with their kids and we'd play soccer together and stuff. And I'd drive past the farms. And I looked at the farms and I'm like, what's going on there? I can do that. Why don't I see people like myself doing these type of things? And when I told my parents when I was 16, I wanted to do this type of thing, they're like, no, just do accounting or law and you'll be okay. You can do that stuff. And I could have did it if I wanted to. But I was a bit too, wouldn't say arrogant, but I was a bit stubborn, but in a good way. I was like, no, no, I'm going to prove people what I can do in this industry that you can add value irrespective of your background. Like 80% of the people in my class, 85%, both male and female, were from farming backgrounds, you know, onion farm, citrus farm. And when they say, oh, my dad's an engineer, but you've asked him again, do you have land? Yeah, I got a farm that side of the country. I'm like, okay. I was in the minority in that regard. A few others were. And that's what drew me to it because it was like, I knew that every industry I can equip myself with skills that are scarce and important because it doesn't matter what the policies or the politics of the country is, you have to eat and you can't choose. It doesn't matter. You need your tomatoes, like no matter what, if you're socialist, capitalist, whatever you believe in or don't believe in, you need to eat. And that's what drew me to it. It's the security and also the, the potential to grow. Now, when you go online and you look for salaried research within agricultural sector, you won't find an accurate thing because it's a lot like art. It's not called art, but 
if you buy a farm and you start farming, there's no limit to what you can achieve. And I know there's one farmer who made literally billions. He's set for life now because what happens, the wheat price went pretty high. So he had a diversified farming stock. So he had stone fruit, he had citrus, and he had wheat. Usually the citrus carries the wheat because the citrus is much more high value crop. But because of what happened in Ukraine, wheat prices quadrupled or something. And that usually happens during times of war, during times of stress, because then what happens is what people don't understand, maybe I should explain this, investors hedge against high-risk commodities and invest into lower-risk commodities or things that people need, such as, well, wheat and barley, for example, oats are commodity crops traded as a commodity, whereas fresh produce isn't traded. It's traded, it's not looked at as a commodity crop, and it's not a necessity for human existence. It's not a staple. So these guys are all invested into these other companies and the wine industry and whatnot, put all the capital into wheat, pushing the price up. Not that there's an undersupply of wheat, it's just that the investment corporations who have shares in the agricultural sector decided to be more defensive with their investment strategy, because you must be, especially in the last three years, it's been hectic. He made a few billions because he had a diversified structure. That's another thing with agri, you can start anywhere. Like most of the guys in farming didn't study farming, they just are farmers. You can choose what farm you want to farm, horse, you want to farm rabbits. That's the artistic aspect also that drew me towards, and the freedom. You have such a powerful voice in, about what the sector can offer, but also just what it can do for young people like yourselves within the sector. What would you say is our shortfalls? What should we be improving on? Let's talk more about future-focused farming practices, sustainability, precision agriculture, farming. Where should we be playing? The tide is turning a little bit. I don't want to use the word organic because it's been sort of perverted with all the different companies coming in and corporates and everything's all of a sudden organic. I mean, from a chemistry perspective, if there's carbon in it, it's organic. But from a marketing perspective, what is actually organic? Nobody really knows what organic is. So we got to farm just in general when it comes to looking after nature. We got to farm with nature, not against it. Stop killing all the insects and all the micro- microorganisms in the soil. You don't need to do that. You can work with that. And also, you got to make farming more sexy for the youth, whether it be a Netflix series or YouTube thing. You got to make it attractive to people. So in agriculture, we got to do that as well. Make it attractive for the youth. Most of the smart people I know who I went to school with and at uni, that engineering or these other safe things. Agriculture is a safer something more <laughs> because you have to eat. Yeah. People are sick every now and then and if you're a medical doctor, you'll always have work, sure enough. But with food, and remember there's, a, there's almost 9 billion people now, so export market is huge, so you can always sell something and if tomatoes doesn't work, you go to peppers, pepper doesn't work, you can go to the cucumber families and you can just go on and on. So there is no limitation. That's what I like. So we've got to make it more attractive. These type of platforms are pretty cool. I think I'm going to start my own YouTube channel just to talk about what it is. But people ask me a lot of questions and they ask, what can you tell me about agriculture? I'm like, I can tell you a lot, but I need to be way more specific. With it. It's not a, you might as well come to what can you tell me about science. I'm like, I can tell you a lot, but you need to be very specific in what you ask. So yeah, making it more attractive and for the youth especially, because there's a generational gap as well. Like I speak to a lot of farmers who are over 60 in their 70s and whatnot. Their children's got apparently, according to them, no interest in farming and they did other things and fair enough. I mean, you can't blame them. Maybe they just don't want to be in the dirt the whole time. Then you have generational gap and then you get my age group and now we're entering as well. So that's another limitation we got to fix. It's just the way things were. I mean, a lot of people were forced to because of the geopolitics of South Africa. They were kind of forced to farm and stay in farming families. But when the world opened up and you could do expat work and more in companies were investing and stuff, people left the farm life to move to the urban area, which is a trend you see all over the world. Why not? Because things are more easily available. They're not cheaper. They're much more cheap in the rural area. But that generational gap is an issue. But I think with my generation, more people are getting into it. There was Egg Bay as well. was pretty young and he's into it as well. So we need more people like that, more champions just to show that you can farm and you can do a day job. You can be a teacher and you can farm on the weekend. Like if you go to Lusaka, I was speaking to a guy who was doing investment there. That he wanted me to manage a project for him a couple of years back. And he's like, you know, attractive farming is here in Lusaka because there would be Facebook groups with hundreds of thousands of people on the Facebook group. 
and they call themselves weekend farmers. They go to Lusaka, they work their office job, and on the weekend they farm. And it's an attractive thing. People are clapping and they're liking and they're loving the posts of office worker, but it also gets hands dirty because they want that connection. And that doesn't have a negative prejudice to it. I was speaking to this one friend of mine. I told her I did agriculture, and, and she's like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to put seeds in the soil? You could do something else. I'm like, you see, that's the problem. We need to make it attractive again, and especially for the youth, and this is part of it. What do you think we should be doing differently in terms of aggressively advocating for this? Finance, land, there's so many you know, factors to it. But if you were agricultural minister for a day, what do you think you'd do? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, agricultural minister for a day, what would I do? I wouldn't want to force anything, but I'll give farms like a certain tax cut if they commit to a process of mentorship for the mentees, which we would then vet. So you vet someone, they have these studies, they have some experience, they've proven after doing the psychographic test, like any other HR company, you do a psychographic test to prove you can do the kind of job with your skill set, with your speech, with your intellectual capacity. So they run through those tests. Okay, so you get your qualified candidates. They should be then sent out to farms and these farmers will then teach them how to farm and mentor them for the year. So what benefit is there in the farmer? Like I spoke about mentorship earlier. There isn't actually a benefit. If I have to mentor someone, I'll do it because I like doing it. But there's only so much time in a day. I can't do it the whole time. You know, I've got other responsibilities. And if you're looking up to someone, the more successful they are, the more busy they are, the less time they have. But if you can incentivize it with a tax cut, that'll be really good for the next generation. And lots of guys I know who study what I study, they don't work in agri. I'm lucky I get to work in agri, but they work in sales and commodity training and some left them into computer science because they couldn't necessarily find a role quick enough and they've got to pay back their student loans. But this process should be made compulsory, I think, for graduates. Instead of studying for four years or five years, you're going to study an extra year, that'll be a compulsory internship. Like with medicine, what do you do? You study for about, I think, four years and then another two internship and then another two years of private, but still under a senior doctor, I believe. Might be incorrect with the numbers. But then you become a medical doctor. Agriculture is the same. You need a lot of experience in the game. And I had to sort of find out here and there and talk to this farm and that farm and this company and sort of build experiences all together. But that needs to be made, even if it's two years, I would recommend that there be a compulsory internship process afterwards just to make more useful agriculturalists. Just in terms of your journey within the agricultural space, you're very young, you're a dynamic you know, player within the space. What does the next 5 to 10, 20 years look like for you? 5, 10, 20 years. I've been working mostly technical and advisory roles so far, but I'm looking to get my hands dirty quite literally in the production and the management of farms. It doesn't have to be a big farm, it can be a small farm as well, but I do see myself mixing the scientific method of doing business with, with agriculture. I think that'll be a really good mix. So I think starting afresh, starting with, well, I mean, I'm probably not going to get a new piece of virgin land, but whatever access to land I'll get, which I will facilitate in the next five to 10 years, I definitely see myself just being a farmer and also making it attractive. I will post a lot of things on Instagram and on <laughs> YouTube just to show people, yeah, you can do it. It's a busy life, but what life isn't busy? You're going to get busy anyways. So you might as well choose something you like. Just the last and final message from your side. What would you like to leave our Farmers Inside Track audience listeners with? Something sexy to attract them and attract others. Yeah, well, the sector's really open. If you ask anyone who works in agriculture, and if you go visit the farm, whether it be a guest house and whatnot, you will notice that the people that are there are pretty friendly. And they're not acting. That's how they are. Because it's a very difficult industry. You're fighting nature. You're fighting the soil. You're fighting policies that don't work. So if you want to collaborate, I heard another gentleman say earlier today that partnerships are the new currency. It's going to stick with me, that one. So partner up with your local farmer. If you don't know any farmers, that's a problem. You shouldn't. Everyone should know at least one or two farmers where you get your food from. If you just go stand on top of your house, I guarantee you'll see a couple of farmers around you. Go have a chat with them, ask them what's the problems they're facing, and see how you can help one another. And if you can't help, at least you've made a new friend. 
Thanks for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track Wafik. For more on his journey in agriculture, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Next up, and before we let you go, we celebrate this week's hashtag Soil Sister, poultry farmer Piokutle Shabangu. She talks about how being selected for the Koteva Woman Agripreneur Program has aided in her farming business. What has helped me a lot with the program is that I've met such great women that have been able to actually even also assist me. People that have been in the business, like there's a lady, Lebu, Lebu Mukwene, she's been in the business and commercializing for years now, I think for like 15, 16 years. And now she's also just been through the same process with IDC and she's placing her first batch of chickens now in December. So she was able to really take me through and assist me with the IDC application so that I'm able to do it right because she had already done it. It was more about just passing on what made it work for her for me to be able to also get the same funding to be granted. There's another lady in the program. Her name is Mwana Rachweni and she's an environmentalist. And for that IDC thing, she was able to also help me to actually put together environmental health and safety part of the application with IDC. For me, the networking part has been the greatest part of it all. She also talks more about how she's giving back to her community. Mostly, obviously, the employment, because we employ people around us for them to be able to also just to feed their families, number one. Number two, our farm is next to a home. And what we do is whatever we do, we farm, we are able to always just on a monthly basis or every time there's harvest or we have chickens, we're able to just give it to the granny that is looking after the children in the home. And they also, they they come and they take, they use our water and things like that, you know, because they don't have like a borehole. Besides that, we then also looking to then train. We want to, to do some training and development on the farm, especially once that our chicken houses are built and everything, then we're able to bring in some people, whether it's students or community around the area that we're in to do some training and development on the farm, which we will do for free, just to make sure that we're able to impart the knowledge to other people, especially youth and women. So that's basically the direction that we are trying to head to in terms of community building. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. You can, of course, read more about her farming business and journey in this dynamic space on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap from me, Dawn Numdu, our producer, Megan van der Fent, Octavius Pandil, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.